fellowship, Lord. Please open everyone's hearts so we can receive the lesson and just learn more about you and grow closer to you, Lord. Please let's be a good night. In your son's name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Um, we are back in the book of Acts. It was written by who? Luke. And he was one of the 12 doctors. He wasn't a disciple. He was a doctor. And he also wrote the book of Luke. Luke is the same, the right response for two of the four. So I try to give you all a better chance to get it right. Uh, I want to start off with a story that I've, I've told in here before. So um, there's, a, there's probably many of you that have heard the story, but there's, there's an equal amount that probably have not heard the story as I look around and sort of see who's here tonight. So I'm going to ask for you, though, that as I'm talking, if you can just put sort of any distract, distract, distractions down and, uh, and sort of look up at, at me and as we're reading. You know, don't just stare at me as we're reading. Make sure you can look in the Word and stuff there, but, or look at the words on the screen as we get there. But um. I really appreciate that. That sort of help, helps me out a lot. Um, I've, I've talked a lot in, in the past about my dad. And um, my dad is a character who is, is real life, but the stories about him that I know are true because I'm an eyewitness account would make you think I've, I've, I've written a book and, and sort of made these things up to, to make him sort of bigger than life, like he wasn't real. But, but my dad's just a... And if, if you've met me and you wouldn't think I was, I was raised with this type of man um, because he's crazy uh, and I love him to death, but he's so amazing. And it's, I'm, I'm thankful that I, I, I still look at my dad who is getting older now. He's 77 and he's about five, nine and a half and he still seems like he's six foot 12. I know that's seven foot, but you know, it, it, he just seems like a huge, huge man to me. When, when I was a kid, we used to go, uh, and I've told the story, some of you will know, go, oh, I know this. Uh, we went to the soccer games that were downtown. The group was called the T-Men, and it was a professional team. We'd go to the, it's now Everbank. It was the, uh, what the get, get, Gitter Bowl is what we called it back then. Same place, not quite as nice as it is now. And uh, so we would go to these games. These games weren't attended by a lot of folks. And we go to this game, and they always do a, um, what's that song they do at the start of the of national anthem? Very good. Thank you. That was a trick question. Um, they, they, they did that at the, at the start of the match. And so there was a, a group of guys, they looked to be about 18 to 20 sitting in front of us, and the, the anthem began to play. We were sitting like four rows back from them, and they were just being loud and obnoxious, ignoring it, and, and just sort of being um, sort of rude. And so my dad, being the gentleman, the kind, soft-spoken man that he is, walked up to these boys uh, and tr- treated them like he was owned and said, boys, uh, I-, I think your your parents probably haven't raised you right, but when that song is sung and that, that flag waves, uh, you've got two choices. He said, you can, you can sit down and shut up or you can stand up and either shut up or sing the song. Uh, and surprisingly, the guys didn't really take that really well. Um, they, 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 did, they threatened him when he went down to get something. They jumped him and shoved him up against the fence. Uh, anyways, throughout the whole match, I remember being 10, and these guys would glare at us. You know the stink eye? Has it, have you ever gotten the stink eye before? Well, this was like 47 stink eyes, it felt like, right at us. Uh, and they would just turn around. And so, like I said, this is not a well-populated game. And so the game comes to an end. 
we make our way down. Mom's got my arm and my sister's arm, and we're walking at a pace where my arm has has been ripped off twice because she's going so fast. I can't feel it anymore. She's just trying to get to the car. It looks like our car is from here to the Yuli High softball field is how far away the car looks, and there's no one else around. And it's just like we we were parked in nowhere's land. And we're going, and I remember turning around. My mom's got us dragging us, and my dad's behind us, and these guys are right on top of us, just following us. There's no other car but ours there. This is not very good. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. So we go, and we get to, he says, and my mom's like freaking out, and dad says, just get to the car. We'll we'll be fine. I didn't know at the time, but so my dad gets the car, pops the door open, reaches in, and he's got a two-shot Twenty-two, a little pistol that fits. It looks a lot like a wallet, but it's got a gun in it. And so he takes it. It's a little one. It was a little one. He still got it. Don't mess my dad. And he's going blind. So, so, so he takes it, and they are on top. Two of them have knives. I've been shoved in the car at this point. They've mom's shut the door. Dad's out there fending for himself. A lot of this is a blur, and they've helped recover it because as a 10-year-old, you block a lot of this stuff out because you've just pooped all over yourself. <laughs> and he takes the gun, and he turns around, and there's four of them. And the guy sees what my dad has, and he, he says, man, you can't take us all out with that thing. And my dad goes to the main guy and goes, yeah, but I will take you out. And at that point, because at that point, the guy went, and they left, and we got in the car, I cleaned up the poop in my pants, and, 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 and we went home. True, true story. Now, that sounds like it's like, no, that can't. If you meet my dad and start talking to him, you'll be like, oh, I can sort of see it in this guy. I can see it. Um, but my dad knew one truth in that moment when he was his bent on pr- protecting his wife and kids. Uh, and he's sort of uncouth, and I love him. There's a lot more stories like that in my life. Um, I didn't stutter before. No, I'm kidding. I've always stuttered. Um, but um, he knew that if you, if you cut the head off the snake, everything else f- falls apart. You know, that, that's what he knew. He, he knew he couldn't take out all the guys. He said, I'll take you out. And then he said something like, and probably one of your friends before you get me. And, um, and, and he knew that if, if, he, if, if you take the, the big dog out, everything else sort of seems to fall apart. That's in movies. There's themes of that. And and, and so we're in a a part of Acts here, in Acts 9, when Paul, or Saul, as we know it, is the head of the snake. He is the one that made the Christians dispersed. He was approved that Stephen be put to death. He approved of it. And then he he went and he persecuted in Acts 8 the church, where the church fled just to survive. He's also gone on this road, and he's got a court or, order saying that when he goes to da, da, Damascus, he can imprison all those that believe in, G, in Jesus. So, so keep in mind, in this story, Saul, and becomes we know as Paul, is, is the head of the snake. And it's a, it's a beautiful picture of what God does. He doesn't just cut off the head of the snake and kill it. He cuts off the head of the snake and uses it for his honor and glory. It's the redeeming quality of God. And I don't know where you've come from tonight and what you've been through, 
today or this week or this month or, or this year, but God is a redeeming God. He is a God who gives chance after chance and, and gives opportunity. He pursues you. He seeks you. He's fighting for you even when we don't fight for ourselves. He actually fights for us all the times when we don't fight for ourselves. He's still there pursuing us. So even as you come in, if that's the only thing you get out tonight, that's what I want you to get. God pursues me in spite of what I've done or who I am. Man, he's seeking after me. So we're going to jump into the text tonight, and we're in Acts 9 now. We've, we've read through this. Paul saw the Lord on the road of Damascus. He went blind. And, and, and Ananias, who was a man of God, came to Paul after three days, and he, he, he healed Paul with the work of God, and the Holy Spirit came upon Paul, and it says scales fell off his eyes. And, and so this is right where we're going to jump into the text. Acts chapter 9, verse 18. We're going to read some of this just, um, just to start off. This is sort of the start of where we're going to be tonight. And I want to ask you if you will stand up. We're just going to stand as we first read this first text just to remind us to be uh, in awe and to honor God's holy and perfect word. So just follow along with me in Acts chapter 9. We're just going to read from 18 to probably verse 22. And then we'll talk about a little more of that. It says, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. This is Saul. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Let's pray one more time. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I just ask for your word just to speak to us, for you to speak to us. To, 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 um, God, just let us know that you're here. Uh, just if there's someone here that goes, man, I just, I just need to know God is real, Lord. I ask that, that even in this time that you will just reveal yourself in just a mighty, mighty way. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, everybody have a seat. Now, there, there's a couple points I just want you to see in this text, and there's going to be a reoccurring theme that we're going to see a few times. So hang with me. Who says, I will hang with you? Amen. Amen. Okay, we'll take it. Okay, now Paul didn't go to Christian seminary at all, okay? He was in Damascus. He was wanting, he was en route there because he, he wanted to kill those that were believers in Jesus. And now right here, we see all of a sudden that it says in verse 20, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying he is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed. Immediately he began to proclaim Jesus. Jesus. Now, understand, this is just a cool picture because he doesn't, he's not well-schooled at this point in who Jesus is on how all this works. But the truth is, to share the gospel, you don't have to be well-schooled. All Paul does, and it's by the help of the crowd, is he shares his testimony with them. He says this, uh, and they say, hey, isn't this the man who's in Jerusalem? Jerusalem, who calls all this this this, this stuff uh, on those who who were followers of the way, and isn't he the one who came up to this town here just 
planning to, to wipe out all those that, that believed in Christ. So his, his te- testimony followed him. And the fact that he was now proclaiming Christ as Lord and, and, and his past was there is the fact that, that um, he was using his testimony. And if you are a b- believer in Jesus Christ, okay, if you say, you know what, I believe in, in, in Jesus Christ, you have a testimony. You have a time before when you did not know Christ, up until where you realize you're a sinner, that your sin separated you from God. You had it. Now you might be like, "Well, I wasn't like I wasn't like Saul or Paul here. I wasn't like going. I mean, I'm killing everybody. No, but but we we had you know we didn't live for God. We live for ourselves. We still fight against that. But so you you have a testimony where you've got your past where you can go, man. This is where I came from. You have a, a point in time. Usually it could be a point in time. It could be a span of time where you go, man. And then I begin to understand the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then you've got your, where you are now. And man, this is how my life has changed. I have peace in, in, in parts of my life I would never have had peace in. When I became a believer in Jesus Christ at the age of 16, when I went to a youth camp about to turn 17, I will tell you this, a burden came off of me like I have never felt again. There was a burden just on my life, and I remember just feeling weighed down. And when I put my faith and trust in Christ, for me, that burden left, and I've never felt it again. That's part of my testimony. When I, and there's some folks that say, well, I just don't believe you. Well, that's great, but I know what God has done in my life. And man, I, I know he can do it in your life. That, that's part of, of, of my testimony. Paul has it right there. So you don't have to be like an ex- expert in this book. I want you to become, as much as you can, an expert in this book. But don't let that st- stop stop you from speaking about who God is and what he's done. Just talk about what he's done for you in your life. Now, um, who is in your life right now? Don't say names, please. No names. No one shout out. But who is in your life right now? Just think about this, uh, where you would say, there is no way they're ever going to come to G- 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 Jesus. I think we all have some have a big list. You're like, man, there's no way. There's some you may that have hurt you so bad you go, man, I don't want them to come. And there's a part of forgiveness we, we've got to try, try to learn to get. But who in your life do you go, man, there's no way they'll ever. I mean, they hate God. There's no way. And just don't miss as we, we study about Saul or Paul. If there's hope, hope, hope for, for Paul, there, there's hope for everybody. So, so God, God's a redeeming God. Now, in the passage we're about to read the rest of, this is the one truth here. You can do everything right and still pay for it in a not fair way. You can do everything right for God, and it may not be fair, and it may hurt you, and you may be persecuted, even if you're doing everything right. And you go, man, that's not fair. But the truth is, the fact that Jesus Christ would go, I'm going to send my son to save you from your sins. That, that's what's really not, not fair. The fact that he would do that is where we go, well, well I, I will live my life for him because I know what he's, he, he did for me. Now, um, let's read in, in, in Acts. We're going to read on here. Uh, and it's really th- three things that occur to, to Saul that, that aren't good. And in many ways, they can be devastating to Saul. 
Uh, look in verse 23. Paul's just preached the gospel, preached Jesus as the Son of God. And it says in verse 23, When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Point number one, Saul is reject, rejected. I can say that because when, when someone wants to kill, kill you, that means you're rejected. Do we agree with that? I mean, there's something wrong. They don't like you. So we see right here, Paul is, is rejected. His message for at least some of this group is rejected by him. Was he doing the right thing? Yeah, he was doing everything right. And even in the midst of it, they go, they plotted to kill him. But while Saul is rejected, it says that his disciples interceded, that they, they, they jumped in. Look in, in verse um, uh, 25, but his disciples, those friends of his, those fellow believers of his took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, alluring him in a basket. Is it good to, to have friends? Yes. I mean, it's really good to have friends that you can count on, that will get, get your back. Um, what, what did Pastor Chris talk about this past week? Does anybody remember? There's one sort of key theme he talked about. Do you all remember? Unity? Is that what I just heard? Co- co- yes, community or unity, right? The same thing. Um, we're to be unified. I thought he did a fantastic job this past week as he talked about. I mean, that's what we're supposed to be about. And this is a passage is such a picture of what you, unity is supposed to look like. Um, how we have each other's back and look out for the welfare of others, even, even to risk for ourselves. Do you know when you look out for your friend, you, you, and sometimes we'll be seen to side with them. And because of that, you may lose friends because of what you're doing, the, the step you take to look out for them. They, they, it comes at a cross. These guys that, that, that helped to save Saul, they did it at a risk. These folks were wanting to kill Saul. Um, I, I see this a lot of times. When, when we pray in our group, uh, a lot of you, or at least some of you, will, will hold, hold hands together when we pray, right? Am I right? Yeah. Is, um, uh, what's, what, what does that, what is being communicated when you hold hands and pray together when you're, we're praying for something? What, what is that saying? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm praying with you. I, I care about you. What else does that say? I mean, it, is it just for for fun, I mean, sometimes, or is there is there a depth depth to it? You agree with the prayer as a group, and I mean, we, and yeah, and I hope it's saying this: we're in this together. We're we're in this. To, I am in this with you, and and it should mean this. Uh, we're in this thing together, so let's keep living for Christ. And when you fall or when you're rocked by the world, I've got you. That's what unity, that, that's what Saul had in these friends that we see in this first text when they were wanted to kill him. And all of a sudden he had this, this group that said, man, we, we've got you. And they, they, they find an open hole in the wall that's up high in the wall, and they lower him down in a 
basket to get outside of the city gates and to go to Jerusalem. All right, so let's keep going in the text there in verse 26. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. We see point two, Saul is rejected. When you go to a group that you want to sort of be in and they say, yo, yo, no, yeah, we're not dumb. We saw what you did to Stephen. We saw how you, uh, uh, he was our friend, and, and you, you approved of it, and then you, you attacked us, you, 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 you chased us, you imprint, 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 imprisoned some of us. They're like, no. So we see again, Saul is rejected, but then we see, once again, a disciple intercedes. It's one that was by name in verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them, uh, to them how on the road he had seen the Lord. He spoke to him how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. We see once again he's rejected, and once again someone intercedes for them to help him out. Now this is Saul, the same Paul that wrote most of your New Testament books. What would have occurred, I wonder, I know that God is, is sub, 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 sovereign in charge of all things, but what if the disciples hadn't intervened that first time in Damascus and found a way out of the wall? Dude, Saul was helpless. He could not get out of this on, on his own. He had to have help. Other disciples intervene. Once again, he goes to this place. They don't tr- trust him. They have a right not to because they've seen what he's done. And one steps forward and goes, no, you don't understand. God has changed him. And because of that, it says this. It says in, in, in verse 28, so he went in and out among them. You know, that, that means he was a part of the, once they learned the truth, he was a part of the, the body, fully accepted by them. Now there's a lesson here, um, and that is this. Um, your past sins can negatively affect your present and your future, okay? These, these were past sins of Saul. Do you agree? You're like, well, he didn't believe in Christ. That's not the point. These were past sins done against these guys. And for a while there, it negatively affected Saul, Paul, until he was probably like, guys, I am so sorry for what I'm sure there was confession. I'm sure there was reconciliation between them. It doesn't say that, but by the way, the text infers that he became one of them right there. And I want you to know something, guys, because you are girls, both of you, because you don't believe this, because a lot of times you think, man, I'm young, I'm good. What's going to affect me? The, the, the choices you make right now will affect you for the rest of your life. The, the choices you make right now will go into your 20s and 30s and 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 for, 40s, and they can hurt you, and they can haunt you. So be wise. 
Right now is the time to be wise. You go, no, man, I'm going to live it up. Now is the, that's, it's such a trap of Satan. Go, man, just live it up now. You can get right later. No, be wise right now because it will pay off later, guarantee. Example of this, purity before marriage. Do you know whether you stay pure before marriage or not can greatly affect your future spouse and your marriage and if it's going to last or make it or not? or if it's going to be a wreck many times over or not. What you choose to do right now, today, this week, can affect that. Don't, you know, understand, it, it's a big deal. So let's keep going on here in the text. But look out for your past, or what you're doing right now that will become your past. Don't let it haunt you later. In verse 29, it says this, and he spoke and disputed against the Hel- Hel- Hellenists. These are Greek-speaking Jews. They're not Christians. They're Greek-speaking Jews. But they were seeking to kill him. Man, Paul just had this wonderful effect on people, we see. In verse 30, And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Once again, point three, Saul is rejected again. They want to kill you. They're rejecting you. Understand, that doesn't mean go in there for a big hug. That means run, okay? Um, And once again, his fellow believers intercede. It says right there, and when the the brothers learned this, they brought him down. They got him out of there. They were looking out for them. Those that he prayed with, those that he, 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 he was close with, those that he trusted, they took care of him. At rest to themselves, once again, they took care of him. So, once again, Saul's doing right, preaching the gospel, and, tr- and trouble comes. So, my question is, and don't respond out loud to this, in what we've read here in Acts chapter 9, would you say that Saul has been a success or a failure? Because many would say, dude, failure. When people want to kill you twice, and the good guys don't want you in their camp at first, that's not really, you're not doing great there, there Saul. Um, in truth, he was obedient to the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. So his success and our success isn't contingent on what others do or don't do. It's contingent on what Christ did and how we responded to that in our own lives. I cannot force you to become a believer in Jesus Christ. You cannot force anybody to become a believer in Jesus Christ. I can tell you about it, and you can accept it, reject it, think on it. That, that's sort of what can occur. And you can be mad and want to kill me for it. But that doesn't mean that, that I'm a failure or you are. It means I'm just called to be faithful to speak it. And this was what, you know, this, it's, it's this guy who goes on missionary journeys. He's, he's, he's incredible. He's a person, as a believer in Christ, I want to be like. And he, he, he would say, the world would say he flopped a lot. Ah, he didn't do real good there, there in the start, did he? And the truth is, he did exactly what God was wanting him to do. He was f- f- faithful to speak the truth. And that's what God is, 
is, at, is, is, is speaking to you and I about wherever we're at, where, whether it's at home, because some in our homes we need to speak about what Christ had done in, in our life. For some at school, we need to speak about what Christ had done in our life. For some in where we work, for some it could be our friends at church, we need to start speaking about what Christ is doing and has done in my life. And the thing is this, guys, um, you know, we, we go to Chick-fil-A a lot. There's a lot of youth that go there. It's not always the same group. So whenever, if for Edge Night, if you want to go up there, there's just a group usually of between four and 87 uh, there uh, that are there to hang out. But how much do we go there after the Edge, a night where we've gotten in the Word, we've heard some truth of God, and do we go there and we talk about anything about the truth of God? And how much should we do it? Even as adults, we tend to sort of, oh, that's in this compartment, that's in this compartment. But God says this compartment we put our walk with Christ, it, it's everywhere. We can't put it in a box and act like, well, that's for my church talk, and then now we're at, at the hangout time, so let's not get real, real deep. Let me encourage you. Sometimes it's really good to get deep. Sometimes it's good to go, hey, hey can you all pray for me? Dude, this week has been killer. Or, you know, I've got a friend I'm trying to figure out how to talk to. Can y'all pray for Steve, John, Shelly, whoever? You know, just, just start talking about it. Verse 31, our, our text comes to a close here. We're going to be tonight. And it says this. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. See, in Acts 8, it starts off with, and the, and the church was persecuted and heavily attacked, and those that believed in Christ were, were, were beaten and, and put in jail. And at the end of Acts 9, we see that God has cut the head off the snake and has actually used that head for his own honor and glory in a man named Saul, who we'll see later is re- refers to himself as, as Paul. Saul, y'all know who Saul is in the Old te- te- Testament? If you, if you go to our church at all, he, he was a king. He was a, he was a king, and he, God anointed him to be king, but then he, he, he walked away from God. And, and uh, we're about to, you know, I think Mike is going to end that, where uh, in the book of uh, 1 Samuel this week. Um, but yeah, he was a king. So this name Saul was a, was a name that was noble and strong. For the Jews, it was a great name. And he changed his name, we'll see in Acts 13, to, to Paul, which is a Roman uh, word uh, name, I believe, and it means little. This great man who done great things, he says, I'm going to be called little from now on. I just think it's an interesting text here that that what God does that even though the church is persecuted and attacked that uh, the church multiplies and uh, so understand this Saul was rejected a lot it's not just in this story right here he went through so much stuff but he got back up and he kept going and a lot of times he was able to get up or keep going because he had friends there to walk alongside side of him. So for you, the challenge is this. Um, speak up about who Christ is 
and be the friend that helps those around you out, especially when it comes to the walk with Christ and their walk with Christ. Be that friend. If you're going to hold hands, let it mean that. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you so much for your word, for your truth, for the story of Saul and um, how he was rejected in so many ways, but you used him in such a mighty, mighty way. And Lord, may we um, understand that, that, that you write in your world that, that in this world we will have, have, have trouble, but take heart, you have overcome the world. Um, God, just give us the strength and courage to follow you, to seek you, to speak about you uh, among friends that don't know you and speak about you around friends that do. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.